Welcome to the Eastside Church Podcast. We're a community-driven church based in Charlotte, North Carolina, and invite you to join us on Sundays at 9 or 11 a.m. For more information, visit our website, eastsidechurch.co. You saw it on the screen, but over 411 families chose life last year during the 40-week campaign. They were scheduled for an abortion, and they chose life. Come on. Give God praise for that. Also, we are in week five right now of our 40-week campaign, and in the first four weeks this year so far, over 40 families have already chosen life at the abortion clinic this year. You, Eastside, were a huge part of this last year. You guys came in on week 40. You were part of the wave, the big push at the end. As you saw, over 4,000 people joined together for week 40, over 70 churches, over 10,000 people mobilized last year during the 40 weeks. We are seeing an awakening in the body of Christ like never before. But I just want to honor you guys this morning. I'm so thankful for this church I'm so thankful for these people. You guys had a huge showing on week 40. I'm thankful for your pastor, Pastor Alex and Liz. Thank you for your leadership. Thank you. I'm just so thankful for spiritual leaders in our city that are taking a strong stand for life. Amen? Amen. And thank you, Eastside, for joining and following and mobilizing and believing with us. You know, I just wanted, my goal this morning is just to share my heart with you and to share the Father's heart with you. Just to give a little bit of my testimony, when I was 11 years old, I, I felt the call of full-time ministry on my life. That's also the time that I gave my, my life to the Lord. But I didn't really know what that meant for me. I, did, you know, I, th- I've thought, I grew up in the church, so I thought either I had to be a pastor, I had to be a worship leader, or I got to be a missionary in China or in Africa, or one of those three. Those are my options. So I got to fit in one of those boxes. Um, and I didn't feel like that's what the Lord was calling me to do. So at the age of 20, I actually started a business and with my brother, started originally here with my brother and moved up here from South Florida, from Fort Lauderdale to Charlotte. We didn't know anybody here, just started working, lived in a hotel for a couple weeks and uh, just slowly built the business and it's, now it's grown all throughout the Southeast. Uh, but the Lord revealed to me during that time that your, your business is your ministry. There's no separation, separation between ministry and marketplace. When you have Jesus in your heart, it's always full-time ministry. So I want to encourage whoever that is this morning. Maybe you're in business, or maybe you're a stay-at-home mom, or uh, maybe you're a nurse, or whatever you might be. I want to encourage you that you carry King Jesus with you. And wherever you go, it's full-time ministry. Amen? So be a light wherever you are. But this is the verse that God gave me when I was 11 years old. And I just want to share this with you. It's out of Proverbs 327, do not withhold good from those who deserve it when it's in your power to act. Do not withhold good from those who deserve it when it's in your power to act. That's the Father's heart. At 11, I had no clue what he was going to lead me to do. (laughs) But for some reason, that scripture grabbed my heart. And I remember it just like it was yesterday, weeping on the floor of my room. And coming downstairs to my parents and saying, I don't know what this looks like for my life, but the Lord has spoken to me through this verse. This is the Father's heart. So yeah, I've been in business. I've been a business guy here in the city for over 11 years. But it was in 2012 
when I had some business friends that invited me out to the local abortion clinic here in our city. I had, of course, knew what abortion was, and I knew that it was happening, but I never really connected the dots, for whatever reason, about it happening in my city, and about the magnitude that it was happening in my city. When I stood there in front of that abortion clinic, I heard what I call the tragic truth about abortion, that abortion is the leading cause of death in our city. The leading cause of death over cancer, over heart disease, over everything else you can think of. I stood in front of that place, and that day there was only a handful of people that were there, meaning that were there to offer hope. There was about 30 or 40 families that were there for abortions that day. And I was completely shocked because I remember just my mind immediately went to, man, if this was an elementary school, if this was in a different place and 30 or 40 people were being killed in a building, we would have FBI, SWAT, police, ambulance, and even the local church would be running to the scene. And there was only about five or six people there that day offering hope. And I was convicted because I wasn't doing a thing about it. And I had been doing business with a company literally across the street for, at the time, almost eight years. And I never knew that this place ever even existed. See, that's exactly what Satan wants. He wants to keep it out of sight. He wants to keep it out of mind. But we are shining a light on Latrobe Drive. We're going to make Latrobe Drive the most famous, city, famous street in our city because the miracle that God's going to do in this place. Everyone's going to know about Latrobe Drive. Because when this place closes, not if, but when, we're going to buy the building. That's the truth. We're going to buy the building, and it's going to become a place of life and a place of hope in our city. We had a pastor's meeting this Thursday that Pastor Alex and his wife were at. We had over 60 churches represented at this, this pastor's lunch on Thursday. And we gave them a brick. You still got yours? We gave them a brick in this little box. And it represents every week that that church adopted, meaning that, that they participated. They mobilized their people that week. And I, I'm asking those pastors to hold on to that brick temporarily because when the abortion clinic closes and we buy the building, they're going to bring the bricks, and we're going to put it up in a wall, and we're going to have a whole brick wall of every single church that participated in creating a culture of love and life in our city. With God, all things are possible, church. Not some things, all things. I understand abortion's been going on for 44 years, but I also understand that our God is bigger. Our God is stronger than any other. This is a dark place. Make no mistake about it, this is a dark, dark place. I'm talking about the abortion clinic. We have the largest abortion clinic in the southeast, right here in our backyard in Charlotte, North Carolina, but not for long. We were seeing tremors already. We were seeing the place begin to shake. This last year, as the church awoke to this and mobilized, here's what we are now seeing. Here's what the scene now looks like out at the abortion clinic. We were there just yesterday with a group of over 200 people. And now they have big black tarps in front of the abortion clinic held up by PVC pipe. Big black tarps creating like a fence of some sort. You know, it's, it's a death camp inside of that building, but now it's manifesting itself on the outside. 
they're shaking. They don't know what's happening as hundreds and thousands are beginning to mobilize for life. <laughs> and now it's even manifesting in a city council and to the mayor. You know, they're kicking and screaming because they see this awakening and the stirring in the body of Christ like they've never seen before. So now they're pushing the mayor and the city council to get no parking signs put up all up and down Latrobe Drive. Like that's going to stop us, right? <laughs> the black tarps are going to stop us. How many of us know that prayer penetrates black tarps? Yeah. Amen. Um, so this Monday is a very important day. Tomorrow I'm talking about. City council and the mayor are trying to sneak in an ordinance that would put up these mo no parking signs all up and down Latrobe Drive that would try to hinder our groups from mobilizing to go out there to pray. But it also is geared to target our partners. Our partners have mobile units that they park right out in front of the abortion clinic to offer free ultrasounds, to offer real life choices for these families. And our city council and mayor, they don't want that because they have special interests with the abortion industry. But we're going to show up in droves tomorrow. We're calling over 1,000 people to show up tomorrow at city council to wear your, your blue We Love Life shirts and let them know that the culture in our city is changing to a culture of love and life. And they better get on board with that. Amen? So it's a very important day, but God is doing amazing, amazing things. So if you participated last year, let me just see a quick show of hands. Awesome. Thank you, guys. Thank you so much for believing and mobilizing with us. For those who haven't had a chance maybe to hear yet, I want you to hear some today. And I'm going to give you a call to action. And Again, I just want to educate you on what's taking place. I believe it's so important that we hear. That's why step one in our, in our journey is for you to hear. You must hear that abortion is the leading cause of death. 150 to 200 abortions happening every week. The largest abortion clinic in the southeast, right here in our backyard. One out of three women are experiencing abortion in their lifetime. One out of three. It's also one out of three men. And we forget about the men so often in this story. And the truth is that this is more of a man's issue than it is a woman's issue. And we're calling men to rise up in our city to protect women and children. I also want to say this to you, that we are not about shame or condemnation. We're the exact opposite of that. See, Jesus was about healing and restoration. That's who the Father is. And I also want to say that this is not about humanitarian work. This is not about us being the rescuers, going in and rescuing those that are going for abortion or rescuing the orphans in our city. No, that's not the mindset. The, the, the real vision for that is realizing that we have been rescued. We have been set free. We have been adopted into the family. Therefore, we love extravagantly. That's what the Father's heart is, and that's what, the way it manifests itself. That's who we are, church. So you have heard the tragic truth about abortion in our city. And here's what the vision is for this year. We are going to mobilize over 150 churches and over 25,000 people this year to prayer walk with us outside of this abortion clinic 
And we are believing for an end to abortion in our city this year. That's right. This year, with God, all things are possible, church. All things. And we're going to build a culture of love and life. You know, our mission statement says we're uniting and mobilizing the church to create a culture of love and life that will result in an end to abortion. But we are after the culture. Like Pastor Alex said earlier, we're not trying to change the law. We believe that God has called the church to shape the culture. Politicians and legislation will follow. So a culture of love and life, what does that look like? Well, I believe it looks like this. I believe we must be first awakened to what's happening. We need to be talking about it more often. We had an incredible testimony just yesterday of a young lady that stood in front of the abortion clinic and read her story. She was at this abortion clinic 13 years ago for an abortion, and there was nobody there. Nobody there praying, no, no mobile ultrasound units at the abortion clinic. There was nobody there, and at the age of 16, she had an abortion. But may that never be said about our city again, that there was no one there. We have to hear, we have to know, and then there's a call to action. But also, this young lady got healed and restored this last year. Because she saw someone like us on Facebook. She followed that up, and she came to a prayer walk. And she prayed, and she walked around that abortion clinic. God brought her back 13 years from the time that she had her abortion, brought her back to that same place. She didn't even know that's where it was going to be. She just showed up. She knew that God was wooing her back, showed up, brought her back to that place, and she shared her testimony in front of that place, and the chains were broken in her life. Come on. We got to talk about it. We got to talk about this. There's healing and restoration that has to take place within the body of Christ. We had another young man just yesterday standing in front of the abortion clinic sharing his story about how he encouraged and he pushed a young girl to have an abortion. And he has been set free. He is walking through healing and restoration. But we must talk about this. But my call to action for you this week is to pray and to fast this Wednesday. As a body, Eastside, this is your week. We are in week five of our 40-week campaign. You guys are taking this week. This Wednesday, to pray and to fast, that, the, that God will start aligning your heart with his, that we won't become numb to abortion. Just because it's been going on for 44 years, may we not become numb to that. Pray that God will break your heart for the things that break his. We know that the Lord's heart is broken over this. We know that he cares for the fatherless. We know that he cares for the orphans, the widows the least of these. May our hearts be aligned with this. You know, when the Lord first put this in my heart, he took me to scripture where, it, where he led Jesus into the desert. You know, everyone wants to do miracles, and miracles are great things, things that we should walk in. That's what Jesus did. But not everyone wants to go into the desert, and that's where Jesus began his public ministry of 40 days of prayer and fasting. I'm calling you to go into the desert with me this week. And on Wednesday, to pray and to fast. When we deny the natural, God does supernatural things. Amen? This Saturday, we're going to go. I'm going to challenge you to go to the prayer walk, to go to the abortion clinic, 
Okay, the whole thing is organized. You're going to be right there with us. You're not going to be out there on your own, I promise you. It's organized very well. We're not there to yell or scream or, or talk to anybody there. That's part of our code of conduct, in fact, is that we don't engage with anyone at the clinic. We are there to pray. We are there to loose heaven over that place and to bind the enemy in Jesus' name. And we are seeing amazing things manifest here, guys. Amazing things. One thing I forgot to mention to you, last year, there were 12 abortion workers that quit the trope. 12 abortion workers. 10, yeah. 10 of them left in the final three weeks of the campaign. One of the workers that left was also a mom that chose life at the abortion clinic. I'll try to wrap your mind around that for a second. <laughs> her and her husband went to the abortion clinic where she was working for an abortion and chose life. And then left Latrobe and quit, quit doing abortions. And now she is connected with, with some mentors. We have uh, a pastor and his wife that are walking side by side with them. The church is throwing them a baby shower I uh, just found out two days ago they blessed them with a car. They needed a car. Um, and just is doing an amazing job of walking with this family and coming alongside of them. And now that little boy was born just, just three weeks ago. Little Jules was born three weeks ago to a, to a mom and a dad, Ladarian and Portia. So God is doing amazing things. And we are praying for a turning of the hearts of the workers. Of the abortionists, Ron Vermani, Jimmy Isaac Newton. Susan Roquet, I pray for these people by name almost every day. The Snyders, Stuart and Lois Snyder, the people that own the abortion clinic. Listen, our battle is not with flesh and blood. It's not with them. We are praying for a turning of their hearts. Church, the, the miracle is not going to be when the doors are closed to the abortion clinic. The miracle is when the hearts are turned to the Father. That's the miracle he has done in your life, he's done in my life. I once was dead and now I'm alive in him. <laughs> John 10.10 10 tells us that the thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. That's what he's doing with the Snyders. That's what he's doing with the abortionists and these families. But Jesus says, I have come that you may have life and have it to the full. So we are releasing life. We are releasing hope. And believing for a Saul to Paul moment for the abortionist. A Saul to Paul moment for the Snyders. I believe one day they will be leading the prayer walks in our city. <laughs> Let it begin here in our city. I believe that the eyes of, the, of, of our nation are upon Charlotte. I believe that. And I believe we have a chance to show the nation what it looks like when the church unites and mobilizes together. I believe personally that this is the trigger for revival in our city. When the shedding of innocent blood stops, I believe will be a trigger for revival like we've never seen. So pray in the fast this Wednesday. Go on Saturday to do the prayer walk. You'll get a, you'll get a free Love Life t-shirt when you get there. Bring your family my wife and kids are out there with me every week. My brother and his wife and kids. This is a family ministry for us, a family call. I'm so thankful for my family and how they have st stood by me so faithfully from the very beginning of this, when this was just a vision. It didn't have a name. It sounded crazy. The family was right there with us. Thank you. Give it up for my family. I'm just going to honor you guys. Thank you all.
Yeah. So you've heard the first three steps. Hear, pray, go, connect. Connect is all about getting connected in a culture of love and life. And the Lord really has impressed on my heart in the last six months that it's about the orphan crisis as a whole. Okay, those that are being led to the abortion clinic are those that are most endangered. Those orphans are the most endangered at the moment. Therefore, we have a hyper-focus on that. But we also need to have a focus on those 570 kids, 570, that are currently in the foster care system in our city. 570. Only about 50 of those kids are in private homes. The rest are in group homes. They're in orphanages. It's a terrible situation for these, for these kids. There's a staggering statistic that backs this up, that 80% of our prison system today came from foster care. Let that sink in for a second. 80% of the prison system today came from foster care. Listen, God's plan A for the church is not orphanages. God's plan A is a mommy and a daddy in a godly home. So we plan to empty the orphanages and get every single one of these kids into a godly home with a mommy and a daddy. There's over 40 kids that are currently eligible for adoption right here in our city. I'm not talking about in Africa and China. Yes, there is a major orphan crisis all across the world. But I, I want us to focus in on those that are right here in our backyard, right now. Over 40 kids. And our plan this year and our goal is to get every single one of those 40 kids that are eligible for adoption to get them adopted. You know, I heard a pastor once say that you're never more like the father than in the moment you adopt. That's what he did with us. Again, we're not here to be the rescuers to say, man, we rescued, you know, and, and get, get all puffed up about that. That's not what this is about. It's us understanding and realizing that we have been rescued. Therefore, we love extravagantly. You know, I, I met with just recently Bobette Willis. She's the senior leader at Department of Social Services. And we are in the process of working very closely with them to get a very clear path for the church to be able to engage in this thing and for us to get every single one of those 570 kids into a godly home. And she shared a story with me that broke my heart. And I want you to hear this story today. Heard a story about a young lady that came into the system at a very young age. And she stayed in the system until she aged out, which means she stayed in there all the way until she was 18 years old without one positive connection, meaning not one time did she ever get brought into a home. She lived in the orphanage. Listen, God did not call the state to care for the orphans. He called the church. He called you. He called me. That's the Father's heart. She aged out of the system, and she, she was one of the, the rare ones that was able to stay in the system and still stay in school and get straight A's. And she went on. She now is at UNC Charlotte, getting straight A's, doing amazing. But here's the part that breaks my heart. 
is that she still doesn't have a home. So when Christmas came along and the dorms were shut down at UNC Charlotte, she didn't have a place to go. So the social workers began calling foster parents from back in the day, say, hey, would you, would you bring her in just for Christmas Day? Let her be at your home for Christmas Day. Church, this can never be said again about our city. We must step in and care for the orphans. This is the Father's heart. This is how we create a culture of love and life, by caring for the orphans in our city. We also started a mentor program this last year called Love Life Mentors, where we come side by side, families within the churches get trained, they get equipped, and they come side by side with moms and dads that are choosing life out at the abortion clinic to walk with them, to go through the messy stuff. You know, we see so often throughout Scripture, we, hear, we see the word compassion, that Jesus had compassion on somebody. Well, let me tell you, the word compassion is not sympathy, and it's not empathy. Meaning it's not just looking at someone's situation and saying, I f- my heart breaks for you, man. I, f- I feel for you. No, compassion means getting in the ditch like the Good Samaritan did. My heart breaks for you, and I'm going to get in the ditch with you. Getting into the messy stuff. And that's what this mentor program is all about. That's what stepping into fostering and adoption is all about. Getting in to that messy stuff. That's compassion. So maybe that's you. Maybe my my challenge to you this morning is very simply to pray and to fast this Wednesday and to go on Saturday to the prayer walk. But I want you to begin praying this week on how you connect further in this culture of love and life. Is God calling you to be a mentor, to walk side by side with a mom or dad that's choosing life out at the abortion clinic? It's also for those that choose abortion. Yes, that's right. We need healing and restoration for those families. Just... Honestly, most of the time, we're not able to connect with them because they, they don't want a connection. But if, if they wanted it, we would connect with them as well, 100%. But pray about also, is God calling you to foster or adopt here locally? We're creating a, the, the village uh, model, meaning it takes a village to raise a child, right? You've all heard that? So we're getting a village set up around every single family that steps in to fostering or adopting. We're going to have four families around every one family that says we are going to foster or adopt. And those four families will be responsible for providing a weekly meal and providing weekly babysitting to that family. They also will be the prayer um, network and support for that family. Because here's a slogan that you're going to hear me say a lot this year, is that everyone can do something. Everyone can do something. I want to tell you that I'm, I believe in this with all my heart. We are all in on this as a family. My business is all in on this financially, with our resources, with our time, our family. And the Lord has put it on our hearts for my wife and I, for us to adopt here locally. And we will have a tribe. We will have a village around us that's going to help us. My brother and his wife, they don't really have a choice. They're part of the village. Um, they're part of the tribe. But listen, we as the body of Christ, as the church... It's time for us to create a culture of love and life in our city. And I believe for a day, very soon, where families stop running to the local abortion clinics for an answer, and they begin running to the local church. That's the picture. Watch this video to explain some of the logistics of Adoption Week. Thank you, guys. 
Psalm 139, 13, and 16 say, For you created my inmost being. You knit me together in my mother's womb. Your eyes saw my unformed body. All the days ordained for me were written in your book before one of them came to be. God's love for the unborn children of Charlotte is abundantly clear. The love life journey is about aligning our hearts with his. This week will follow four simple steps. Hear, pray, go, and connect. Hear. This step is all about educating ourselves on the issue of abortion and the effect it has on our city. The leading cause of death in the city of Charlotte is not gang violence, car accidents, or cancer. It's abortion. There are three abortion clinics in Charlotte performing as many as 150 to 200 abortions each week some as late as 20 weeks after conception. One in three women in Charlotte will have an abortion in their lifetime, 73% of which claim to be Christian or Catholic. Pray. Once we are confronted with the tragic truth about Charlotte, our hearts will be moved to action. We will spend the entire week calling on God to rescue and redeem. Wednesday, we will fast and pray as one body of believers all across our city go. Saturday morning, we will join together outside the clinic for a prayer walk. We'll meet at the top of the loop as you enter the business park. There you'll see our tent and flags. Be sure to check in and get your free Love Life t-shirt. We will gather together for a time of worship and instruction and then start our walk. We will peacefully intercede on behalf of the women and children inside. We won't be protesting, arguing, or engaging with anyone from the clinic. We would love to create a family environment so your children are more than welcome to join you. Connect. We desire not only to encourage moms to choose life, but we want to be the network of support for them as they continue on their journey. We encourage you to get involved with one of our outreach partners or become part of the Life Network. We are so glad to be partnering with you this week. We know God has great things in store for us. Join us in believing that he can and will bring life to the city of Charlotte. Amen. Yeah, y'all can clap. That would that would be good. I would like that. That's good. That's good. Man, this is this is rubber meet the road stuff, isn't it? I mean, you can feel it. It's in the air. I mean, you can you can feel uh, the 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 whole climate is is different when you talk about something like this, um, but this is a place where we can become actively involved to be to be on the wall, praying and believing that God's going to bring kingdom to this particular situation in this city and stop the killing. Amen. See, make it. It wasn't. Everybody's really serious. There's a serious look on your face because it's a serious subject, isn't it? It's 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 it's, it's deep, and it's deep in the heart of God. Do you know that God says in James, He says, "This is this is pure and undefiled religion that you take care of the widows and the orphans, and that you abstain from letting the world get all over you." That's Alex's version. 22 times in Scripture, 
God commands the church to take care of the widows and the fatherless. I think it's interesting, again, to talk about, and I can't remember if I said this or a second, so I'm going to say it twice if I said it earlier. It takes a seed to produce a child, not necessarily a father. And the Lord tells the church to be a father to the fatherless. He says about himself, I am a father to the fatherless. So the point is, if you want to be like God, which is the whole point of Christianity is to be transformed into the image of Christ, and we know that he is a father to the fatherless, then we've got to do it in some regard. Now, here's the deal. I mean, this is legitimate. At some point, you've got to repent. Repentance means you've got to change what you're doing in some way. Whether you have tremendous prayer focus on this, that's why we're partnering with them. We partner with them financially as well. But you've got to commit somehow not to forget about them when it's not our week. Or you may need to ask the Lord, God, do you want me to be a father to the fatherless? Now this morning when I was actually praying about that, I came up with five reasons why I couldn't be before I even asked God if he wanted me to. And I'm not really sure that's the way to do it. Here's five reasons why you ought to say no, God. You know why? Because it changes everything about what you're doing. It interrupts. It interferes. It, it moves into a place that you already had nice, nicely packaged. Isn't it? That's the way it is. Even if we're going to do the Lord's work, you have to follow him. And it's, it's, it's difficult. So this is what I want you to do as a church, as a person that calls yourself a Christ follower. I want you to really ask. I want you to make the ask. How? How far? I can tell you this, and we're going to pray for you guys now that your wife's here with you. That's cool. But I guarantee you their life is changed from where they were five years ago to where they are today their vision for what their life was going to be, it, it left the map long ago. And God did something with it that's going to impact the kingdom forever and ever and ever. It, it brought, or impact the earth with the kingdom forever and ever and ever. But their life was changed. There was a sacrifice made. You guys are adopting as well, right? And you're going to be the part of the deal. But, but that's a stretch. I know that wasn't in their plan. That was not in your plan, was it? Ever. And it it's probably hadn't been in yours. I don't know what it looks like, man. I, I really don't. I just want us to really honestly ask. And be willing to say, yes, Lord, I know it's inconvenient, but I'm going to do it anyway because that's what you want me to do. Thanks for listening to the Eastside Church Podcast. If you have any questions or need more information, visit our website, eastsidechurch.co.